What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. It is your three stooges hanging out tonight. Three stooges being dudes. Lucas, Tyler, and Cameron all hanging out here. Fellas, how are we doing on this fine Wednesday evening? I am exhausted. Um, I have, like, every time I'm teaching, like, I'm great when I'm in front of the kids. But the second I sit down, I feel like I'm about to fall asleep. Um, But I am very, very excited to be talking football tonight, that's for sure. There's nothing better than talking football after a day of exhaustion. I can relate to you. Tyler, how's it going for you, man? Man, we got all three of us back. It's been a few weeks. Yeah. We made it. It's it it's been a little while, but we made it back, all three of us. And uh what better than to recap Super Bowl and then talk about our favorite position in fantasy football, the tight end. You joke. It's my favorite Do position. Do I? Do I? I don't know. Cameron gets <laughs> on camera. Your guys' you favorite position, but not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we forced Cam's hand into recording tonight. So. Yeah, That's what it I was. We said, Cameron, you're first QBs record- and I get stuck with tight ends. Yeah, right. I was going to say, we, <laughs> we, if you missed the last two, three podcasts, we punish you by uh, making you talk about tight ends for your first podcast back. As long as you don't make me do kickers, I'll be all right. <laughs> if anyone, if we do a full podcast on kickers, that'd be like a bonus episode and it'd be a pure satire episode, I think. Oh, 100%. Well, we had a lot happen in the football world uh, over the past couple of days here. Right? We had Super Bowl this past Sunday. Uh, we don't need to break down the entire game. It's already Wednesday. It's already three days into the off season. But I want to get one Super Bowl takeaway from each of you. Uh, so, Cameron, what was your first big takeaway from the Super Bowl? Rams are victorious 23-20. to A lot of takeaways you could potentially get from this game. What's your top takeaway? Uh-huh. Just that I'm devastated. I had multiple player props. I have this man in Dynasty, and his injury ruined it all, and that was Odell Beckham. I was him putting up 12 more yards away from hitting my two player props. Uh, I was uh, like 12 minutes away from trading him in Dynasty, only for him to be like a useless piece now. Um, but what really showed me was that how much he actually affected this offense and how I like they're really going to need Bobby trees or Odell, at least one of them to come back healthy next year for this offense to really function because the, the other wide receivers are just not good on this team. And so I was really surprised by how poor they played on offense, except for that one touchdown drive without Odell Beckham. Yeah. Which was almost disappointing because yeah. Like, Van Jefferson was kind of coming into his own about halfway through the season, but then, mm-hmm. like, he just, I don't know, he just kind of disappeared during the Super Bowl. I don't know where he went, but, no, that's that's 100% true. I think this team needs that strong number two perimeter threat to really help Cooper Cup out in the slot. Not that Cooper Cup needs help, per se, but to help this offense yeah. click. I think that's, that's a yes. good takeaway. Tyler, what about you? Your takeaway from Super Bowl 56. I think this is probably just a little bit of a of a biased takeaway, just being a Vikings Vikings fan. But knowing that Kevin O'Connell is now officially our head coach as of seven twenty eight p.m. on February sixteenth of two thousand twenty two. Um, you really we got to watch the game, and I was paying close attention just to how that offense functions, right? And I'll give you the spark notes version of what I got. They key in on mismatches. If it's a linebacker on a wide receiver, they're going to the wide receiver. They will shift, you know, they'll run out different formations. They'll have guys in motion to really pull apart the defense to pick out those those mismatches. And I think that's how the NFL is starting to operate. It's not so much, you know, may the best man win. It is, no, let's take our best guy against your quote-unquote worst guy and 
force you to stop us, right? And I think that I'm just excited to get that system, that ideology of we're going to focus on mismatches and take you know take advantage of those with our own offense. So I was very impressed, and especially like you were saying with with OBJ, they were they were. You could tell what the game plan was with both Cup and Odell, and then once Odell went down, it took a little bit for the Rams to adjust, but then they hit their stride, and sure enough, they 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 won the Super Bowl. So I was I was very pleased, and I was very very uh, what's the word satisfied with what I saw. And KOC was calling a lot of those plays down the stretch, too. Everyone was like, oh, it's McVay. It's McVay. McVay's always doing the play calling. But, like, KOC, like, there was that one clip where KOC, well, I guess that was from a different game, but, like, there's been reports coming out where KOC actually drew up quite a bit of those plays come crunch time in the Super Bowl, which I'm like, great. If we're getting that here in mm-hmm. Minnesota, all for it. I am in. My takeaway, and I'm glad mine was different than, than both years, um, I wasn't sure what to expect from either of you. Look, offensive line matters so much. It matters so, so much. Joe Burrow took eight sacks and was pressured on 43% of his dropbacks. That's nuts. I'm surprised the Rams didn't sack him more than the Titans did, honestly. But, look, we saw it with Mahomes in the Super Bowl in 2022, right? Like, he was pressured on even more of his dropbacks. He was pressured on 52% of his dropbacks. The team that can get pressure on the quarterback is going to win the football game, right? That was the case in both of these games. I know, Cameron, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is such a foreign concept. Uh, <laughs> if you can allow your quarterback to throw the football, you have a much better chance of winning the football game. Yes. That's what gave Matthew Stafford the upper hand to just make some absolutely clutch throws down the stretch. Minute. That that no-look pass. Like I know people are like, oh, Stafford's been doing that for years. I don't care. Stafford hasn't done that in the Super Bowl, when it matters most, game on the line, that was a thing of beauty. That was a thing. And I'm glad that's getting the attention it, it, it does because normally it's only Mahomes. And people are like, nails, absolute nails. Yes, absolute nails. And it's because Stafford had the time to actually throw the football. Joe Burrow didn't. That mm-hmm. was the difference in this game. I think the last takeaway that we need to talk about um, is just the fact that if you are bad – at football, do not trash talk. <laughs> I, I was hoping one Bowl. of you would mention that, <laughs> I, but no, but neither of you did, and so I'm glad you're interjecting this, Cameron. If if you, unless your name is like Darrell Revis or Richard Sherman in your prime, as a cornerback, you should not trash talk the other team, especially where you have to play against Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, because you are going to get bullied the entire game, and that is exactly what happened to Eli Apple. Yeah. Like, just cut it out. Don't. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? I, oh, I that, that that's 100% right. That's 100% right. Just a few of our takeaways from the Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, overall, it was kind of a... It was a fine game. It wasn't the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. Like, there was like an hour straight of football where we're all just kind of like, and a turnover, and a turnover. And, ooh, McPherson kicked a field goal, but... No, like in Stafford's knee, right? Stafford, yeah. right? Stafford's ankle, and then Joe Burrow's knee, right? It was like an hour straight of football. We were just kind of like, it's okay, but mm-hmm. overall, pleased with the final product. Um, good takeaways there as well. Let's quick breeze through some news and notes from around the league before we jump into our way too early top ten tight end rankings for 2022. Uh, we've mentioned OBJ quite a bit. Odo Beckham tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. Cameron, I know you mentioned it. Hopefully they get him back. But that's his second torn ACL now. And I don't want to say fun fact because it doesn't feel very fun. Uh, he's torn both of his ACLs against the Bengals. I, it's just devastating. He was starting to look so good. He was right. He, he was going to give a discount to the Rams. I think he'll probably have to even take even more of a discount now after the injury, mm-hmm. which is just not no, not good sucks. at all. It sucks. It sucks. Joe Burrow also suffered a knee injury in the Super Bowl. Doesn't require surgery. Just rehab. 
That's what you get when you don't protect Joe Burrow. You remember that? Okay, this is. I need to interject this year. You remember that meme that was going around right around draft time of uh, the the Bengals comparing if they were to draft Penny Sewell versus uh, Jamar Chase and how if they mm. draft if they draft Sewell, right? Joe Burrow has this time, and woo! All of a sudden, you see a fifty yard pass go down the field and it's completed. But if you don't draft Penny Sewell and you draft Jamar Chase, and he flies all the way down the field. Well, Joe Burrow's not going to have time to push it all the way down the field. That's what happened in the Super Bowl. And yeah. because of it, Joe Burrow sustained a knee injury. So thankfully it's nothing major, but will require rehab. Shouldn't throw anything too far off this offseason for him. Last piece of Bengals news, Zach Taylor signed to a contract extension through the 2026 NFL season. I can't say I love the hire. I can't say I, I, I feel like I'm being really critical because of what, Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor's play calling at the end of that game. I feel like I'm being overly critical, but let's be mm-hmm. real. If he took this two and fifteen franchise to a Super Bowl, that's worthy of a contract extension. That's what yeah. I need to remind myself at the end of the day. Not third and one and fourth and one with the game on the line. Yeah. You learn I mean, from your makes, mistakes. This makes Samaj P. Ryan a must buy in dynasty football. You so, think so? No, uh, no. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, don't tell me you're serious. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't get over that play call. I literally went to bed that night thinking to myself, what if Mixon was in on third and one? Would they have gotten, would they have gotten the first down right away? Would, they, would the Bengals have won the game if Mixon was in? You'd think they'd get the first. I mean, Aaron Donald manhandled P. Ryan on that third and one. T- I mean, I mean would he have manhandled Mixon, though? Just, not as easily. I mean, he made P. Ryan look like a rag doll. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he really did. He really Ugh. did. Oh, last piece of news I do want to talk about. Um, Jeremy Fowler dropped an absolute bomb this morning. Like this was like, this was like Adam Schefter level reporting. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reports that Watson has begun evaluating his potential fits for 2022 and his top two teams. Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings. I need to ask this question as a Vikings fan. Is it bad that I feel very little from this report? I know I read that with like expression, but mm-hmm. really I feel very little from that. I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't know. I'll, quick thoughts. What do you guys think about the potential of Deshaun Watson coming to the Minnesota Vikings? It doesn't matter if the legal stuff's not figured out, you know? I mean, they, I mean, this is not like it's a small thing. Like, this is a huge thing. So he can say all he wants where he wants to play, but until he actually figures this out, I don't really think any news about him matters. Uh, and, and like you said, as a Vikings fan, I'm so used to being disappointed that I'm not going to get excited about this. Uh, I like Kirk Cousins a lot, but Deshaun Watson, when he plays the top five quarterback, he's a guy that no matter your roster can put you in the playoffs. Um, can make, give you to a Super Bowl, especially with the roster we have, the offense we have. So I'd be crazy excited if he was there and they got the legal stuff figured out, but I'm just not going to put much weight into it right now. So Such a dramatic pause. I know, I like it. <laughs> I had, I had like five different thoughts like come to my mind like right at the same time, and I'm like, Shh, where do I start? Listener, do listener's going to be like, oh, oh no. my goodness, oh, no. are they in distress? The awkward silence. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, no. When it comes to reports like this, um, I kind of dissect it a little bit, right? And I asked myself, like, where is this report, like, coming from? Obviously, it's coming from ESPN, but, like, where is ESPN getting this? The Houston Texans are not leaking this information. So it's Deshaun in his camp, right? Someone in Deshaun's circle had told Jeremy Fowler, hey, he's starting to evaluate different locations of where he could play. And I listened to, um, what is it, the Purple Daily podcast, the Score North oh, yeah. with – Phil Mackey and, and Judge Zolgad and, and, and them. And Zolgad actually had a really good point of, look, if Watson's picking up that Minnesota is a destination for him to go to, that means that there has been conversations within the league that teams view Minnesota as a team that could potentially move off of Kirk Cousins. So the fact that there's 
a good that this report actually kind of points out that Minnesota has maybe even had a conversation or two already about Kirk and moving off of him. Mm. I say all of this with the legal stuff aside. Where there's smoke, there's typically fire. And you can't <laughs> it's twenty-two. It's twenty-two civil lawsuits. Like that's not You don't solve that over not something no, no, not at all. So when you initially see it, you're like, oh, my gosh, Minnesota, Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. That's us. That's us. And then you think about it, you're like, we need to jump through like several hoops before. Personally, for me, then I would feel comfortable proceeding with. I'd just rather ride Kirk out one more year and go from like I. It's such a tough spot because, for all we know, Watson could figure this stuff out. He could, he, like, he's still eligible to play. It's not like the league's been like, nope, you're banned until you, uh, you figure it out. It's like he's still eligible to play. So I don't know, but then it's the, the fact of he starts playing and then things intensify, and then is when whoever, whatever team traded for him, gets in trouble. So yeah, I it's it's tough. It's tough. I think I'm like I'm kind of like I'm. I'm good. Let's at least start making progress on these 22 yeah. civil lawsuits before we even think about it. But just some, just some initial thoughts on uh, the Deshaun Watson news that goodness, three days into the offseason and we're already discussing it. So mm-hmm. let's move on to our way too early top 10 tight end rankings for the 2022 NFL season. I almost said 2021. 2022 NFL season. We're only doing 10 because, let's be real, who wants to talk about 20 different tight ends? There aren't Thank 20 you. relevant tight ends in fantasy football. There just aren't. I love talking about tight ends. I could talk about Cole Komet for hours, but we're not going to do that. Top 10 only. Oh, beautiful. Top 10 only. And our consensus number one tight end for the 2022 NFL season, way too early rankings, goes to Mr. Travis Kelsey. Finished 2021 as tight end two. Cameron, you have him as tight end two. Tyler and I both have him as our tight end one, though. I am like tight end one and a half with him and Mark Andrews, both sharing that honor of tight end one and a half for me. Uh, Look, Kelsey took a slight step back this year. Stats show that. Production shows that. So, Tyler, why is he still your tight end one for you as of right now? Well, let's go through his stat line real quick. Finished with 92 catches on 134 targets. Finished with uh, a little over 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. He was tied for first on touchdowns, and he was second in receptions, targets, and yards. And I think the only reason why people are saying that Kelsey is regressing a little bit is just because he only had three games this year with over 20 fantasy points a game, and his average last year was over 20 points a game. So is the there it, there was a, a bit of a decrease in volume as well compared to last year. So it it does beg the question: like, is Kelsey on his you know on the downward track to bottoming out again? I just don't think so. I think we, we, the same way that we looked at like Tyreek Hill and, and and just I don't think you can really say any weapons, but I think you can use the same mindset that you use for Tyreek with Kelsey. This offense is still elite. It's still going to run through Mahomes. They're going to be just fine. Even if be and even if the enemy leaves, you still got Andy Reid. So maybe I wouldn't expect the star tight end one first round pick, you know, output again next year. I wouldn't expect it. I think what we're going to see more, more often is what we saw this year. But if this year is tight end two in your top three in all the major stat categories, he's still a top, at least a top three tight end. No question. I I think that's irrefutable that, Oh, he still has Patrick Mahomes throwing in the football. You have the best quarterback in the league throwing you the football. You're the number one B option in that offense. 
I don't think there's much more you need to say. It's just I don't think you're going to pay a first-round premium on a tight end again this year. I think that was kind of a cute idea that everybody wanted to try out this year. I'm like, I just don't understand what the point of that is when I know it was like Kelsey and Waller last year. It was like, that's it. And they're so set apart that it's worth getting the premium. That didn't pan out at all this year. I think that was an anomaly in a lot of ways. So uh, I can get behind that, though. Like I said, I still have. Travis Kelsey at tight end one. So ask me tomorrow and I might tell you Mark Andrews. And then on Friday, I might tell you Kelsey again. But I can get behind everything you just said, Tyler. Our consensus tight end two is Mark Andrews. Finished 2021 with a career year as a tight end one, which is where Cameron, you have him. Tyler and I both have him as tight end two. The lone fella with him as tight end one. Like I said, I'm on the verge. Like I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. So convince me, get me there, Cameron. Give me, give well, me, I, give me to the point of Mark Andrews being tight end one for you. I have them. I mean, as both one, I just couldn't do that on our spreadsheet. I think, I mean, they're both really good. The reason I went with Andrews over um, Kelsey is just age, just because Kelsey is getting to that point, you know, where we can start to see it a little bit of a decline. We, I don't think we will. That's why I have him too, but he is getting to that point where age can start to catch up to players. Mark Andrews had 154 targets last year. That's nuts. I mean, just incredibly high. 107 receptions, 1,361 yards, nine touchdowns. And I think the thing that gets me more excited about these Ravens um, passing game in general is... Two years ago, they were 32nd in passing, and this last year, they were like right around top 10. They were ninth. Ninth in pass attempts. And I, that bodes well if you're a pass catcher in um, Baltimore. And for me, when we watched Lamar play, like Lamar threw like four interceptions in one game. All of them were when he was trying to target Mark Andrews. Like Lamar will force feed Mark Andrews the ball at all costs, so you know he's going to get his targets. You know he's going to look for him in the red zone. I think adding those running backs, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards back next year, is going to take a lot um, off of Lamar Jackson, but I still think it's going to help the passing game because it's just going to open up more. Nobody's afraid about Devontae Freeman beating them in the run, run game. You know, you're afraid of Lamar beating you in the run game, but you, you're not going to respect Devontae Freeman at all. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, these are guys you have to respect. These are guys who can go out and average five yards a carry. So I think that just opens up everything a little bit more, keeps defenses a little bit more honest. And so that's why I really like Mark Andrews. Obviously, he had a lot of targets from the backups and a lot more passing came out when Tyler Huntley was in. But I still really think that the target share is going to stay the same, even with Bateman being healthy and Marquise Brown. I still think Andrews is going to get a ton of targets next season. I can get behind that. He He's going to be the number one target in that offense again. And, and that's where I'm at, too. I'm really battling the is Kelsey on the down, the downward, the down and out, the downward trend, right? And Mark yeah. Andrews is on the way up, right? They are like polar opposites in their careers right now. Yeah. I mean, Andrews is 26. 26. Yeah. He's young. Yeah. He's got he's got quite a few years left. So we'll see. Uh I have a feeling by the season comes I'll have Mark Andrews at tight end one. But moving on to our tight end three is George Kittle. Finished twenty twenty one as tight end four. Even in fourteen games. He finished as tight end four in twenty twenty one. Uh which is kind of kind of astounded me because he wasn't like he had his games, but otherwise everyone was really disappointed with him. Uh, Cameron and Tyler, you both have him at tight end three. I'm at tight end four. Look, Kittle's really freaking good at the game of football, right? Like he, he's so freaking good. He, he might be the best tight end in the league in terms of all around skill. You know, you get physicality, you get blocking, you get go up and get it a bill, right? Like George Kittle might be the most skilled tight end in the NFL. I'm just going to allow you to say whatever you want, Tyler. I don't know how much more of an argument I can give for George Kittle other than he's really good at football and he's in a really good and favorable offense. Yeah, I think 
I think the thing that I need to check myself on is that Kittle's never been the touchdown tight end play. Right. The most he's had in a season was this year, and he only had six. So you think about it, and he's he's the volume tight end, right? You got Kelsey and Andrews who get volume and touchdowns. Kill gets volume, but it's not super consistent volume either. I feel like you still have to put him in your top five, maybe top three, you know, if you're comfortable, just because of the potential volume that he can get. There are games where he can pop off for like 30 or for 13, sorry, 13 catches and like 150 yards, right? Like those games can happen at any point. So I think just to respect that, you do have to put him that high. I'm crossing my fingers that maybe we see a little bit of a Kyle Shanahan tight end relationship, you know, um, why am I blanking on words? All I'm saying, when Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta, we had Austin Hooper season. We had Tony Gonzalez season. Maybe this is the year where we see Kill kind of break out a little bit in the, in, in the end zone. But like I said, you you just have to respect the potential volume that he can get in a single game. Yeah. They can get you 40-some points in a week and, and help you in a victory. So, yeah. Top three, maybe a stretch. Top five for sure. I don't think I need to add anything more. I think I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Our tight end four in our consensus rankings is Kyle Pitts. He finished 2021 as tight end six. Cameron, you have him at tight end four. Tyler at tight end five. I have him as tight end three. I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to start the campaign as Kyle Pitts as a top three tight end in fantasy football this year. Nearly every tight end makes a sophomore leap in the NFL. I have preached this from the mountaintop for the past two, three years now. Rookie tight ends typically struggle. Kyle Pitts went for, what, 1,000 yards this year as a rookie tight end, and he had only Mm -hmm. two touchdowns to show for it? One touchdown. No, no, he did have two touchdowns because he had both in London. Kyle Pitts' sophomore leap is going to be absolutely insane. Let me read you a list of players who also had significant sophomore leaps. Uh, And you'll see where I'm going with this by the end of it. Mark Andrews, rookie season in 2018, 6.7 fantasy points per game. 2019, 13.8 fantasy points per game. That's a 7.1 increase. And these are all in terms of fantasy points per game. They take a massive increase, right? Travis Kelsey, zero fantasy points his rookie year. Played one game. Didn't see a target of reception. Next year, 11.1 fantasy points per game. George Kittle, 7.1 fantasy points per game his rookie year. 16.2 his sophomore year. That's a 9.1 increase. TJ Hawkinson went from 6.7 to 11. Dallas Goddard went from 5.7 to 9.6. Mike Gesicki went from 2.5 to 8.5. Noah Fant went from 6.9 to 10. And you know what? Let's get really nitty-gritty. How about Cole Komet? Went from 3.9 fantasy points per game to 7.1 fantasy points per game. On average, across all those numbers, that's an average of 6 fantasy points per game from year 1 to year 2. Kyle Pitts averaged 10.4 fantasy points per game his rookie season. I'm going by some of those metrics there. We're looking at 16.5 fantasy points per game next year if we add the average increase from rookie to sophomore year in terms of fantasy points. That would have put him as tight end two this year if he averaged those numbers. I am here for Kyle Pitts as a top three tight end next year. Look, and if we even look at the elite guys, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson. Mark Andrews was 7.1. Travis Kelsey was 11. George Kittle was 9. Hawkinson was 4.3, but he played on the Lions, and I'll give him a slight pass there. Um, Look, we could be talking colossal numbers for Kyle Pitts next year. He might be the only option in Atlanta next year if they trade Calvin Ridley. I am all in on Kyle Pitts next year. Like, Kyle Pitts might be my, like, newfound ride or die for next season. It's like Gabe Davis, 
it's uh, Kyle Pitts, and there's another guy that I've brought up too. But at any rate, Kyle Pitts, that's why he's tight end three for me. Mm-hmm. I think he has to be a top five tight end next year. Um, and I think you could argue interchanging this guy with him as well, which is Darren Waller. Uh, 2021, he finished as a tight end 17, uh, which is tough, right? Uh, kind of riddled, yeah. injury-riddled season. Struggled to get back on the field. Cameron, you have him at tight end five. Tyler, you have him at tight end four. I have him at tight end five. Cameron, you actually dropped some interesting thoughts in our in our group chat today. So give me your initial um, thoughts, perspective analysis on Darren Waller going into the 2022 season with a new regime, really, in Vegas. Yep. So I think just touching our Kyle Pitts thing, I think the thing that does scare me a little bit is that he could be the only person in Atlanta. And I think that's kind of when he struggled a little bit this year, just because then, you know, like they play Carolina and they put Stephon Gilmore on him. Right. You know, that does scare me. But we did see him, I mean, he still gets two catches for 63 yards. You know, if he even has the same season and we just add in four or five more touchdowns, if he, if, you're very happy. If he Kyle hits Pitts. the average of like five yes. touchdowns, oh, that helps him tremendously. Yeah. And you're, feel, you're feeling really good then. And so, you know, I agree. I think he's going to take a jump. That's just the only thing that worries me going into next year is that he could be the only guy. That's fair. And maybe, maybe he just crazy volume. And it doesn't matter. And that, that could definitely happen as well. Um, but touching on Darren Waller, you know, Darren Waller, like we said, had an injury riddled season. Um, and it really stunk because that first game was crazy. You know, 19 targets, 10, it was like 180 yards. What was it? No, it wasn't 100. It was 105 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, you're sitting at 26 and a half fantasy points in PPR after week one. You're like, this is just going to get better. And then it was just kind of like five for 65 for 45 for 70. You know, they're solid weeks, but in those 11 games, he only scored two touchdowns. And so that really hurts. And his year before he scored, I think it was, what was it? Let me look real quick. He scored nine touchdowns. And the year before that he scored three. And so the reason that his 2020 season was so much better was because of those nine touchdowns. Now, if we look at Darren Waller's stats extrapolated out, so we take his 11 games, um, we divide it all, and then multiply it by 17, he would have had 85 catches, 140 targets, um, I think 1,200 yards, but only four touchdowns. And those those are Travis Kelsey numbers from this year. You know, that, That's something to be excited about. Like He might have felt like it was a kind of a disappointment, but he still played really well. Now, Josh McDaniels just came from New England. New England had the te- uh, number 10 tight end in PPR, and that guy only had 55 catches, but he had nine touchdowns. That was Hunter Henry. Darren Waller is going to score a lot of touchdowns, and I think this year they're going to bring in someone kind of like a Mike Williams, someone who's going to play on that outside, a big guy who's going to go with the ball, and I really think that helps open up the middle of the field for Darren Waller. And so I am getting more and more bullish, more and more excited for Darren Waller this next year. Yeah, I feel like Darren Waller is going to be one of those guys who finds his way to the middle rounds, like Mark Andrews this year, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you get you can get Mark Andrews in like the fifth or the sixth, and you're pretty happy with oh. it. I feel like Waller is going to be that guy again this year, and I think he might end up being one of those steal of the draft tight ends uh, that returns yeah. on value, you know, clearly. So I, I like Waller's upside. I think he'll be I think he'll be a safe option again this year. Just one down year. I'm I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking too much into it. So. Our tight end six, and this kind of wraps out, I would say, the consensus top six tight ends. Put them in whatever yeah. order you want, and that's TJ Hawkinson. He's tight end six across the board for us. Uh, disappointing season this past year. Finished as tight end 15. Very disappointing as a TJ Hawkinson manager in Dynasty who got offered Mark Andrews for TJ Hawkinson towards the start of the year, and I didn't take that deal, and I am kicking myself. Yeah, <laughs> he's due for a bounce back year. I think the question we need to ask is Tyler, what kind of a bounce back year should we be expecting, or maybe what kind of a bounce back year are you expecting for Hawk this next year? Well, I think I can speak on behalf of all of us. We're expecting a top ten bounce back, and I think the when you when you hear these numbers, you're you're gonna react in a way that's like. He's he'll bounce back. Sixty-one receptions on eighty-four targets, 
583 yards and four touchdowns in only 12 games. I don't know if let's say you add, let's say he plays a full season and you add in a touchdown and you add in three, four catches a game. He's in tight end one. No, I shouldn't say like the top of the top tight end rankings, but in terms of like your fantasy league and all teams that have a starting tight end, he's a tight end. He's in that tight end one conversation. So I think when you hear tight end 15 and all those in his stats from this past year, you're initially going to go, okay, he's going to do better. And I guarantee you that he will do better next year in a, in an improving offense. Cause I think we saw just how better Detroit played as the year went on. Right. They have a new offensive coordinator after Anthony Lynn left and as much as we love the Anthony Lynn hire, he was a tight end killer. Okay. Like he, he, I mean, Hunter Henry was in LA when Lynn was the coach in LA, but Hunter Henry like could never find consistent volume. He would get it some games and couldn't get it the next. I think just with the trajectory of the team, they're going to need to look more towards their playmakers. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to look at guys like Quintez Cephas, guys, I mean, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown kind of came on towards the end of last year, so he's in that conversation for playmakers. But look, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Quintez Cephas, yeah. Josh Reynolds, like those guys aren't going to cut it. You have to look towards St. Brown and you have to look at Hawk. Yeah much, much more often. So I think he's a big, big, big bounce back. And I think maybe here's the other interesting piece to all this. There could maybe be a new quarterback in Detroit. Maybe. Right? Like, I don't think I don't think Dan Campbell and anyone in Detroit is really sold on Jared Goff really being their quarterback for the next couple of years. So whether they get a quarterback in, in free agency, which they probably won't, if they take one in the draft, maybe they trade for one. Who knows? Mm-hmm. If the, if it's a quarterback other than Jared Goff, the value in Hawk only goes up. So all those things combined, that's why I think we all have them right at tight end six. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a question? Go for it. So if you're let's say let's say you're a dynasty manager. Let's say you got a tight end. Oh, who's someone? Let's say you got like a Logan Thomas, right? And you're just like, all right, I need a new tight end. I want to target someone single quarterback league dynasty. Which, which one of these six are you going to go after based on value based, based on skill? Who are, who are you going to go on? Like, are you going to push all the chips in for a Kyle Pitts or are you going to try and take the value of TJ Hawkinson? Who do you think has the best value and skill is what you think you're going to see next year? I think the one I'm not going to go after is Travis. Kel- oh, excuse me, Travis Kelsey. Wow, voice gave up yeah. right there. He's the one I'm not going to go after. I'm really curious what the price is on Kyle Pitts. I think it really varies per manager because I think some realize the special, you know, piece that they have. But also, I think a lot of yep. people are like, "Why wasn't Kyle Pitts better this year?" And the answer is mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts was freaking amazing this past year for a rookie tight end. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> I think if there, I, I think if there's one though, I think it's George Kittle. Like I feel like he's the perfect balance for me of top three upside, while still being young enough in an effective offense that can be tailored to getting the ball into his hands. And considering his price tag, after his lackluster, I don't want to say lackluster, but underwhelming season last year, I think George Kittle is like the perfect storm of. I can probably buy low on you and nobody's going to be like super upset that they're getting rid of him because he is also getting to that point of, you know, starting to get up there in years. Yeah. He's no spring chicken. He's no Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson, but I think he's got more juice in him than some of these other guys. Yeah. I think, I think it comes down to Hawkinson and Waller for me. And I think I look at Hawkinson as the as the best buy low guy mm-hmm. just because of the season he just had. But I think the best value right now, I think, is Waller. 
where he's got he's got some upside to quote unquote rebound after a quote unquote disappointing season last year, right? Like Waller after week one lost the pizzazz in his name a little bit just because he couldn't reproduce 19 targets, which is not his fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like I said, I think Waller is that best value just because of the new coach and the new system that's going to be coming in. And I think people are going to be me. I Look, it's hard to pull off a trade for tight ends just because, like, if you're going to trade for a tight end, people are going to typically going to look for an upgrade at tight end. So I don't know if there's really a, a package that could really get you Waller, but maybe but for dynasty's sake, a pick and a couple of young wide receivers. Yeah. Like the one on one and Godwin. <laughs> <laughs> if throwing Devontae and JJ you got a deal. I bet this next guy in our rankings could land you Waller. If you included really? if you based a deal around our next tight end. I think you could probably get Waller. I, I'd be happy, actually, to do that. I don't have Waller in any of our leagues. But uh, our tight end seven is Dallas Goddard. Finished 2021 as tight end eight. Ty, Ty you got a nasty look on your face. What, what's, what's up with you? What's up with that? Do I need to put you in your place with my love for Dallas Goddard next year? Oh, please do. <laughs> Hit me with it. I'm his tight end seven. Cameron agrees with me. He's got, he's got him a tight end seven, too. Do I really? Yeah, you do. Oh, because well, I don't like anyone else. <laughs> it's like a default ranking. It's like, all right, I, next guy. Yeah, close my eyes, hit the randomizer on Excel, and put them where put them where they want to. Look, from week seven on, this was after the Ertz trade. Mm-hmm. Goddard was a tight end six, and he only had two touchdowns to show for it. And then when the Eagles went on their four game win streak from weeks thirteen to seventeen to make their final playoff push. Uh, Tyler, I want you to guess uh, where Dallas Goddard was during those four weeks. It was tight end. He was four. tight end three. He was a top three tight end. I think sky's the limit for Dallas Goddard next year. I'm not ready to put him into that, you know, like top five six category. Like I, I still think the top six guys are the top six guys. But I think Dallas Goddard's got next. I, I think he could legitimately. Solidify. He could put his name into the top six guys next year. Jalen Hurts is coming back for his second full season at quarterback. He, you have to think he takes a step forward. If he doesn't, well, then boo-hoo. You know, I ended up spending a pick on Dallas Goddard, who's going to end up being a more reliable option than some of these other guys in my mind. Yeah. I think he can take a big step forward in 2022. I think the opportunities there... I am in love with Dallas Goddard. I think he might end up being one of the value tight ends in next year's draft. Right? Like we get no. So 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 right. Like let me. Dalton Schultz, of this year, right? Mm. I'm not. Okay, I see. No, 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 I see no, no, no. Of this year, right? Dalton Schultz yep. was that value tight end this year, right? You can argue Mark Andrews was, but Mark Andrews was already going as a top four tight end. I think I like Dallas Goddard's going to be drafted, but I guarantee you, people are going to overlook him because at that point, people are just like, whatever, give me a tight end that I don't really care who it is. I think people are just going to skip over Dallas Goddard when there was signs of life of, of serious life from him at the end of last season. Mm. Tyler, I, I'll give you like a 30 second rebuttal because you just look disgusted with me that entire time. <laughs> My biggest concern, I, I shouldn't say, because there's, there's two concerns that I have. Philly desperately needs to have get another weapon on the outside. Jalen Rager isn't cutting it. Uh, Quez Watkins, but he's a nice little he's, he's a nice little player. Stop fooling he, yourself. Hey, I said stop fooling yourself with this pro Goddard. Hey, I, I, I said a nice little player. I never said he was a stud. He's a nice little piece. I never said he was a serviceable wide receiver too. He's just a nice little player. Yeah, I mean, look, they have three picks in the top 20 in the draft this Traylon year. to Philly. And cap space. Start the campaign. Look, if you bring in a guy like Drake London, a guy like Traylon Burks, heck, even a guy like Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams, the guys that can pretty much play right away, 
maybe Williams is out of that conversation, but still, my point still stands of adding another target is really going to throw a question mark for me just because we saw Sirianni try to figure it out with multiple weapons alongside mm. Devontae Smith, right? I mean, Zach Ertz and, and I, maybe I just combined both my points there. Do I trust Sirianni with a multitude of weapons, including Goddard? I, I'm not at this point. He's got to show me another year that the offense can actually put up points. But <clears throat> I think Goddard's fine. I just personally, I don't see the draw to him as much if they'd get another weapon. Okay. You're wrong and we're going to move on. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I get that. I heard, I, I've heard, but I disagree. <laughs> no, I, I get that argument, though. I think Sirianni being there still gives me nerves, but mm. I just look at these other tight ends, and I just I don't see the same upside that I do with Goddard. And after those top six guys, like that's what I'm going to look for. I think I'm going to look for the upside more than I'm going to look for, like, all right, who's going to give me seven and a half points this week? Um I'll take I'll take a shot on the upside of Goddard before I get to some of these other guys. Like Dalton Schultz, who's our tight end eight. He was the biggest surprise of twenty twenty one. Finish as the tight end yeah. three. Uh Cameron and I have him at tight end eight. Tyler, you have him at tight end seven. Look, the big thing with Schultz though, is that he's a free agent this offseason. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing with him. We have no clue where he's gonna end up. I could see him pulling like an Austin Hooper, just chasing a bag, whoever's gonna pay him, because he's due for a bag and the Cowboys really can't give him one. Yeah. So with that in mind, Cameron, give me your your thoughts on your ranking for him going into the into next season. The more I've looked at it, the more I want to put Dalton Schultz lower. That's <laughs> where I'm at honest. too. I just uh, I I can't convince myself. I, I probably could, but it, continue. Sorry. And I'm thinking like guy like Gasicki. I think I'd put him above Dalton Schultz, and the reason I think I would is because I think Dalton Schultz was really benefited by the system he was in, the quarterback that he had, uh, whereas I think Kasicki's a more talented tight end. Uh, nonetheless, though, Dolan still had 100 targets this year, still had 73 receptions, 808 yards, but he did the eight touchdowns really helps, uh, and that's kind of what propelled him higher. So anytime you get a decent reception total, decent yards as a tight end, and then you can add the touchdowns, that's automatically going to put you in the top seven. And so... I think depending on where he I mean where he goes is going to depend on where he's drafted next year. I think he proved that he's a good enough tight end that he should be drafted no matter where he goes. He's a good enough tight end no matter where he goes. I think he'll be top 12 next year. But I don't know if he's going to be I I really I don't think at all he's going to be top 3 like he was this last year. I mean, he was there because of injuries. You know, that that was the sole reason he was there. And so I think just kind of trying to process what I really believe about Dalton Schultz. It's just going to come down to landing spot. If he can find his way back to Dallas, I think I'm going to stay high on him, stay top eight probably, um, just because I believe in Dak Prescott finding him in the red zone. And so it's, that's that's I've said it like four times now, but that's what it's going to come down to. It's just landing spot. Dalton Schultz lands on the New York football giants. Where do you rank him? Oh, ah, man. Well, that would just be a disaster. Um, <laughs> I mean, wow. is it, though? Oh. Is it? Like, is it the worst place he could possibly land? Brian Dable? I don't, no, but at the same time, look at all the people that they got to throw the ball to. They have to throw it to Kenny Gallagher. They don't have to throw it to Sterling Shepard. No, but they're gonna, they got to throw it to Kadarius Toney. You, I mean, they're not going to throw it to Evan Ingram. The, he could be the third guy. They'll throw it to Saquon Barkley. Yeah, they just, better throw I'm my just man football. My you goodness, got, you got <laughs> three guys who need to command at least eighty targets already. Um, and obviously, there's room for Dalton Schultz there, and maybe Dalton Schultz could have a Dawson Knox type season where he doesn't have that crazy volume, but it's just touchdowns, um, which he definitely could. It's just, I don't know. I wouldn't be excited if he was on the Giants. I understand Dable's great, but I just think there's so much, so many mouths to feed right now that they have stuff committed to. That I don't know how I feel about. They have Dalton they have of the Giants. Two worse weapons than the Cowboys. Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony are not CD Lamb and Amari Cooper. 
Yeah, but you're paying Kenny Galladay like twenty million dollars a year. Right? That that that's the thing is, you know, he's there costing you that much money. You have to get him the ball. That's fair. Otherwise, you look like idiots. That's fair. Even though it's even though it's Gettleman's fault, you still look like idiots. That's a problem. Cut him. Just get him out of there. No. Uh, tight end nine. Let's move on before I say something else stupid. Tight end nine. Uh, Pat Fryermuth. Man, I love that. I love that man. Uh, he is our consensus tight end 10 across the board, but because of some funky rankings after uh, tight end nine for us, uh, Pat Fryermuth falls at tight end nine. Look, this is another rookie tight end looking to make a sophomore leap in 2022. Okay, Big Ben's retired now, though. So how much mm-hmm. does that impact Firemuth's sophomore leap for 2022, Tyler. You know he's going to take one. Massively. It massively helps him out. You say it helps him or affects him? (laughs) Big Ben being out of Pittsburgh puts Firemuth in the top 10. Oh, hands down. If Ben was still there, Firemuth is right outside the top 10. Like, it's... It's not even it's not even close to me. <laughs> but here I think we need to be a little bit realistic, right? We we saw we saw another rookie tight end do fairly well in his first year out of college, right? But we need to say it as it is, or we need to say it as it is. He was probably the most touchdown-dependent tight end that we saw this year. Yeah. I would beg to differ, but continue. Well, Hunter Henry. I want to hear who you are think who would who would Dawson be the other Knox, one. Hunter Henry. Get both of you. Stop how, many, it. how many how many receptions and how many touchdowns did Pat Fryermuth have this year? Uh sixty receptions, seven touchdowns. Okay, he is. Uh, no, no, he's not. Dawson Knox had 49 receptions and nine touchdowns this year. That's a 20% oh, beat, touchdown rate. He, he beats Hunter Henry by one reception. <laughs> Henry had nine touchdowns for, on 50 receptions. But go ahead. No, you guys. I'm, no, no. <laughs> you're attacking my fantasy team and you're attacking my fantasy team as well. Both of you guys deserve to be muted. I'm the host. I do what I want. <laughs> um, I think I, I maybe I I give Knox a little bit of a pass just because of everything that's happened mm-hmm. now with their team in in the weirdest way, right? Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. Cole Beasley took a way way smaller role than he did last year. Knox was hurt too. So my, my my I guess I'll just get right to the point with Fryermuth. Juju's out also. So now this offense is Deontay, Claypool, Fryermuth, Najee Harris. That's a pretty darn good setup. And they showed, I mean, maybe it was just Ben, but Lucas, what's your theory on rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, and tight yeah, ends? they take they take the easy routes, right? Unless if you have a guy who's always getting open on the sideline, you know what? They're they're taking the easy underneath routes most of the time. And you want to know who runs those routes? Tyler, you can tell the people who runs those routes most of the time. Is it Eric Ebron? <laughs> yeah, well, frankly, yes, it's a position he plays. But <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Ebron. <laughs> No, it's Pat Fryer. It is Muth. The tight end position always runs those routes. So I think, I think we'll see. Again, it's it's shown with every sophomore tight end that gets starting time their freshman year, they do much much better their second year. I think that'll that's no different for Fryer Muth going into this season. And I think just having a rookie quarterback just only adds value to his name at this point. Mm-hmm. Heck, even if they get a veteran quarterback too, it may go even higher. Mm. So I think we just are respecting the 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 next step he's gonna take next year. But we also realize like he very well could actually like sneak way up at the final, you know, 
final rankings of the year mm-hmm. with some veteran guy like, I don't know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady. <laughs> Comes out of retirement. Jimmy G. Could you imagine that troll job by Tom Brady? Just to like completely finish overshadowing Big Ben, he comes back and just like leads the Steelers to the Super Bowl the year after he retires. Because you imagine how big of a troll job. Like he's overshadowed him his entire career, and now he's just like, you know, I'm gonna go play for him and lead him to the Super Bowl. That'd be the greatest thing in the world. Biggest double bird that I think the NFL would have ever witnessed. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think Pat Fryermuth is somebody I need to put ahead of Dalton Schultz. That's what I've decided. Tyler's like, I don't know about that. See, I, again, I the biggest thing with Schultz is just where does he go? Yeah. Right. If he goes back to Dallas, which is his best, you know, best option, I think you have to respect what he did this year. Even if it was a little too heavy in the touchdown department, you still have to respect it. Mm-hmm. But let's say, I mean, my favorite spot for Schultz in free agency is the Jets. Who Adam Gase isn't there anymore. I like it. He ruined Chris Herndon's career. He isn't there to he, he isn't there to ruin Schultz's career. Mm. Jameson Crowder's out. It is now Elijah Mitchell or Elijah Moore. Corey Davis on the outside. Michael Carter in the back. Finish off your piece with Dalton Schultz at the tight end. So again, there there are options for Schultz to go to that are a good situation for. I shouldn't say a good situation. There are teams where he can just step right in, mm. right? But we all, like I said, his best option is to stay with Dallas. So may, there is some valid. I think there's some validity to the argument of, yeah, maybe Fryermuth does need to go above Schultz. I'm just not ready to, that's all. That's, yep. all. that's totally fair. I think it really does depend with Dalton Schultz's landing spot. To wrap out, uh, you know what? I, I've been looking at tight end, ten, tight end. oh, goodness, 10 in our consensus rankings, and at Zach Ertz, but the more I look at it, I feel like these last four guys could all be tight end 10 for us. Our consensus rankings don't say it, but I think there's a case for all of them. So I'm just going to include them all in some quick honorable mentions, uh, and then we're going to need to get on our way here. Uh, so I mentioned Zach Ertz, right? He finished 2021 as tight end five. I think part of that was just touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um being injured, so you know he's kind of the feature guy then. I think Dawson Knox you can shove in there. Cam, you have him at tight end 9. Tyler, you have him at tight end 11. I think my ranking's the one that kept him out of the top 10, because I have him at tight end 14. He's just far too touchdown dependent for me. His volatility just makes me want to puke. Um, mm. Mike Kosicki, he's a guy I need to push into my top 10, I think. Um, tight end 13 yeah. for Cam, tight end 14 for Tyler, tight end 11 for me. Just with Mike McDaniel being there, like he's worked with George Yeah, Cam. I gotta move him up. He's worked with George. I, I, I know they're not the same player, I know they're not the same player, but I, I I think he wants to get the ball into his playmaker's hands. Mike Kosicki's a go-up-and-get-a-playmaker. Yes. That's my theory. Tyler, we can have this debate on another episode because you, again, look look exactly as you do when I pre- made, made praise to uh, Dallas Goddard. Here's all that I'll say. I thought the exact same thing, right? Like, oh, McDaniel in Miami, that's a – it should be – it should work out in your mind, right? Yeah. But we said, I mean, I don't think we said this back when McDaniel became the offensive coordinator for the Niners. But Kittle had his best seasons before McDaniel. And, yeah, there was injuries in it. Again, but it, it, it's not so much a seamless fit as it looks like on the surface. For sure. That's fair. I can get. I, I can understand that. I can understand the hesitancy there. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. I think the only other guy was Rob Gronkowski. If he doesn't retire, but let's be real, he's going to get retired now that Tom Brady is in NFL. So uh, we got to get going here. Sorry, I know you want to interject. We have like 20 seconds before we get booted off our, our free trial. Um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. Uh, check us out on our socials, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube. TikTok, been hitting a nice little surge on TikTok again. So go give us a follow there. Yes, sir. Uh, we got we got some great talk, content coming out for you this off season. That wraps it up. Yes, sir. Three Stooges being dudes on the Fantasy Football Fellas podcast. See you next week. Deuces. 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 Deuces.